This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer. Great to have you with us on the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Talking health on today's show of both the animal and human variety. Anisha Joshi is an osteopath to the stars and was on hand to answer all of your questions. If you're feeling stuck in your career, Robin Abuchadid was helping us figure it all out. The questions you need to ask yourself to get unstuck. We were talking yoga with Ivana. What you need to know to stay flexible and fit and why some of the common misconceptions might be stopping you from getting in the studio. And animal osteopath Lisa Tumina was on hand to answer all of your pet questions. Healthy Habits. On Afternoons with Helen Farmer. We are talking health this afternoon. Osteopath the stars. Anisha Jossi is with us today. She's got three clinics in the UK, qualified as an osteopath 14 years ago. And since then, she's won Principal Osteopath of the Year, appeared on numerous TV programmes and across uh, publications as well. And her patient list includes quite a few A-listers from professional athletes to performers. She's in Dubai this week, this week only, uh, based at Euromed Clinic. Welcome to Dubai. Well, thank you. I love it. Do you really? Yeah. I mean, it's raining in London, so I'm here for it. We're, well, we're loving having you here. Um, I want to start with the obvious. Anisha, if that's all right. What does an osteo do and how can they help? Well, um, you know, there's a common misconception that osteopaths just do back pain. But actually, osteopathy is amazing and we really treat the body as a whole so we are musculoskeletal experts we do four to five years at university and we work with other healthcare professionals in order to treat the body from every perspective literally head to toe (laughs) yeah I mean almost but it's it's important you know to take everything into consideration and you know we now live in a world where things like stress and nutrition are all really important. Mm. And there's so much research now to show that all those things are connected with actual physical pain in your body. Well, which leads me to ask, in terms of trends and things coming into clinic, how does what you're seeing in Dubai compare to what you might see in clinic in the UK? So I would say that they're quite similar, actually. Um, Fast-paced cities, yeah, busy like people. Really busy people, workers sat at desks. There's a lot of neck and shoulder pain, mm-hmm. um, lower back pain. And then, you know, Dubai's quite active as well, quite like London. And there's this challenge going yeah, on at the moment. 30 by 30, everyone's throwing themselves in the Dubai Fitness Challenge. So there might be a few injuries coming your way <laughs> over the next few days as well. I better extend yeah, my just, stay. Just, yeah, do it. Now, as I said, you... Your patient roster includes the likes of Rita Ora, Paloma Faith, a host of reality and TV stars. And you don't need to name names, but what are what are performers coming to you with? What kind of issues might you know bring them to your bed? Well, I mean, all of us, regardless of what we do, we are gonna be using our muscles in a way that they're not used to being used or we're not moving enough so for instance in the case of performers they're using their microphones and they're stood on stage for hours at a time I mean holding a mic isn't light and then having to hold it for hours at a time isn't easy Mm. either so it is it's just things like that really what do you love treating what do you get excited about when you see on a on a patient you're like oh I can't wait to get my hands on that I love it when a patient comes in with neck pain that's leading to headaches because quite often that's, I I call it a simple fix, Mm -hmm. but um, the relief that patients get from that when they walk out the door is so rewarding. Well, let's see if we can help Brianna. Brianna, Brianna, you've been in touch on the text line. You're more than welcome to contact me and Denise Joshi on 4001. You've got the ARN play up on the WhatsApp. You don't need to put your name on if you'd rather not. Brianna's saying, I get occasional but very bad migraines, which I think are linked to neck and shoulder tension. I keep them mostly at bay with regular massage and treat occasionally with pain. Uh, with pain relief, I've been getting other headaches, maybe tension headaches. They don't respond to painkillers and often involve a lot of eye socket pressure um, and sometimes a bit of a floaty. So it might be a different type of migraine. My neck is really bad despite daily yoga. Could an osteo help? A hundred percent. And I think what we've got to remember is that osteopaths are medically trained to be able to diagnose you so Mm. we're able to tell you whether your muscles are tight in your neck and there's nerves that come through your neck into your head and they're quite common 
to cause something called cervicogenic headaches, which can create that pain. Um, so by releasing those muscles off, relaxing them off um, by a trained professional, it can ease the pain. I think that distinction is really important when it comes. And then there's no disrespect to masseuses listening today. But sometimes you go in, they go, oh, very, you know, very, very tight. And I go, yeah, but I don't feel like you even know what that muscle might be called, you know, in some of the salons <laughs> and spas around. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm there for a massage. I, I, I love it. Yeah. But sometimes you walk out feeling relaxed, but not necessarily if you're looking for the effective release and relief. This content is for informational purposes only and is not intend to substitute professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Healthy Habits. On Afternoons with Helen Farmer. We have stolen away celebrity osteopath Anisha Joshi from her temporary clinic at Euromed. She's based in the UK and has three clinics there, but has come to Dubai to treat us and to do a bit of popping and cracking. Um, Anisha, I've had a message from Al here saying, how is an osteopath different from a chiropractor? Massage and manipulation of the joint might help, but does the cracking do anything? A lot of doctors say no. Um, Interesting question. I get asked this a lot. Um, So... Osteopaths and chiropractors are, there's a lot of similarities now because to be honest, traditionally they would say that chiropractors just did a lot of cracking and popping of the spine and osteopaths were more holistic and would look at the body as a whole. Um, But the reality is, is there's actually a lot of similarities now and there are lots of chiropractors that look at the body as a whole Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of osteopaths that just do lots of cracking and popping. So it's really sort of difficult to say. It's it's really about the individual and what works for you. And what that individual practitioner does as well, what their specialties are, what their preferences are. and Yeah, I, I always compare it to getting a haircut. You know, you're not always going to have the best haircut with someone who was recommended to you. Um, And you might, it doesn't mean you're never going to get your hair cut again. (laughs) You know, you're just going to go and find another hairdresser Mm -hmm. that you like. Can can we go to the popping and the cracking? What is that noise? Um, So it's air that gets released from between your joints. So these are just normal air bubbles within our joints that basically need releasing. Um, By releasing that, that sort of air it can improve the range of movement within mm. the joint. Um, now, there is there is a lot of sort of question marks over whether it does actually do that or not. But the reality is, is that if the patient feels better and their muscles relax and it enables them to move more and live their life freely, then... I'm here for it. Take it for a win. Yeah. My brother's a drummer. So he has his, talking about performance, so he has his hands very, very stable, very strong, very power in those hands around those drumsticks. And he cracks his knuckles a lot. Should I be concerned for him? Should I tell him something at Christmas when I see him? (laughs) Um, No, actually. Um, If he's not in pain, then it's actually fine. There's a, there's a whole thing about arthritis in your knuckles if you crack them a lot. But again, evidence shows that there is, there's no connection. Okay, Michael, you're all right. Let's squeeze in the question from Emily saying, I've got hip around, sorry, pain around my hip area, which after some self-diagnosis, I've concluded is the insertion of TFL. And sure enough, TFL stretches or work on the roller are agony. It's not stopping me from being active, running, Pilates, etc. as the pain is more to touch. But I appreciate I need to get it treated properly. Is an osteopath the right person or should I go for a sports massage instead? What's, a, what's TFL? <laughs> Um, so it's a muscle called tensor fascia latte. So it sounds like a coffee. It does. Um, it really nice long one. orders. <laughs> yeah. A grande. And so it's a muscle that's in the um, hip at the front. And um, what I would say uh, to this person, was it Emily? Emily. Yeah. Emily. Emily. Um, I would say that, yeah, you do need treatment um, from someone who knows what they're talking about because essentially it's great that you're active um, that's something that we advocate but if you are not knowing what's going on as to sort of why it's tight you know is there something going on in your lower back for instance is there is, yeah is, there, is this pain a manifestation of an issue somewhere else in the body yeah because everything's really connected so mm. even things like you might be weight bearing slightly differently you could actually need orthotics but hadn't thought about it whereas an osteopath would look at that and go actually yes we can treat that area but we also need to strengthen your left knee because of this when you're running. Um, And that's what's going to get you sort of the long-term results. And release and relief. Speaking of release, do people cry much when they come to you? Not out of pain, but in in terms of 
that relief in release. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is such a connection, as I sort of said, that between emotion, stress and physical pain. And actually, I get I get a lot of mums actually as well um, who, you know, that stress, that tension, and they just don't get a lot of time for themselves. In fact... Well, not many people does? get <laughs> no but it's interesting you mentioned mums because we suddenly then we go from having our bodies you know in pregnancy and all of these relaxing hormones and then mm. we're carrying something that we're not used to carrying and probably haven't been taught properly how to hold whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding you're popping your hip out to put them on you know it just becomes a complete disaster area it's it's like going and doing like a barry's boot camp overnight like literally you go mm. you're you're pregnant and then you have a baby and car seats and stuff. They are not light. No, they're not. Thank you for that. <laughs> feeling, feeling very seen. Um, and I wanted to ask you as well a little bit about the pandemic because it's, it's been about a day since I've mentioned it on air. But what impact do you think it's had on our bodies, our posture, our pain? Um, so there's a, there's a massive hybrid sort of working model in London now. I don't know if it's the same here. It depends company to company. My husband's doing you know, one day from home, four days in the office, but still driving, you know. Yeah. You know, like, we drive a lot in this city as well. Yeah. You know, we're very car-based, which I do think can be a factor as well, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. So, I mean, I would say you do need to get your steps in. Generally, movement is key. Um, hybrid working model or um, just generally being back at your desk. I think what the pandemic showed us was that, um, how much movement you do get when you're in the office. Um, and if you're having meetings over Zoom or whatever, you literally do not move. So Yeah, you can, you can have steps in the hundreds rather than yeah. the thousands by the end of the day. She says, fully aware that this has been the case on my watch in the past. Yeah, I think that's, we are, as we said, kind of moving out of that. And presumably a lot of people not have very, having very good kind of work from home setups either. What impact does tech have, do you think? Um, I would say it's, interestingly, there's not any evidence to show that posture at your workstation makes a difference to your level of pain. However, um, it's the lack of movement. Mm -hmm. It is the lack of movement. So this is a, this is great news because it means that all you need to do is just remind yourself to get up. So what I am saying here is, yes, you can sit on your sofa and use your laptop and not get back pain it's actually the lack of movement sitting on that sofa t for two hours that's going to cause the back pain <laughs> um, Anisha Trotty lastly for anyone who is struggling a bit with mobility with stretching is there anything that or even just looking at preventing some of these anything that you recommend we could all try tonight or integrate into our lives to you know keep keep moving keep strong yeah I mean I would say um, just gentle like a gentle five minute mobility routine whilst even watching telly, is super beneficial for your back. Just getting your joints and muscles into positions that you don't do during the day mm -hmm. can be really, really beneficial. Do urge you to give Anisha a follow. She's at osteoanisha on Instagram and has all sorts of kind of quick tips and tricks, whether it is osteo for cyclists or some of the you know quick hacks we've been talking about today. But if you do an appointment, you're going to have to be fast. She's there at Euromid Clinic just until the end of the week, although we are going to steal her back to our Sandy Shores come 2023. Would you come back? Always. <laughs> Yay. For you. Thank, thank you so, so much. Absolute superstar. Really, really do appreciate time and enjoy the sunshine and have a good one. Anisha Joshi there. If you do want her details, by all means, drop me a line on 4001, whether that's her Instagram or where to find her here in Dubai. This content is for informational purposes only. If you would like to seek medical treatment, please contact a certified healthcare provider for personalised advice and diagnosis. Healthy Habits. On Afternoons with Helen Farmer. As you may well know, Dubai Fitness Challenge is underway and here at Dubai I 103.8, we want to help you go on that journey and take on the 30 by 30 challenge. We've teamed up with some of the city's best trainers and practitioners to showcase every week a brand new 30 minute workout. It's totally free for you to access and train along. And this week we've got Ivana Mishanovic, a physiotherapist, a vinyasa yoga instructor and someone who's truly passionate about everything from baby massage to working with children of determination. Um, Ivana's in the studio with us now thank you for being here and thank you for such a brilliant workout how are you thank you so much i'm good i'm good thank you now i'm i'm curious about some of the myths 
the misconceptions, the misunderstandings that you hear all the time about yoga that you perhaps want to set straight right here on the radio? Okay, the the main one is, oh, I cannot do yoga. I'm not, um, I'm not stretchy enough. So I'm, not like, I'm not flexible enough. I can't touch my toes. Yoga is not yeah. for me. So I would always say that you are the first person who needs yoga. I mean, it, it will uh, give you so much benefits when it comes to flexibility as well, a part of any, uh, like a lot of other ones. But when it comes to flexibility, yes, yoga, it's, it's done for you. It's a must. And it's not just about flexibility. It's about strength and, yes. and you know, doing things exactly. correctly. That's another meat as well. Something that I've kind of struggled with yoga in the past is finding the right one. Because I've, I've fallen into the trap of being like, oh, I'll go to that. And then I'm like, oh, my goodness. There's a man doing a handstand and it makes you, it makes you just want to turn around and, and run away. But since, you know, I love doing yin yoga. Um, Good, and yeah. But it, it took me quite a while to find the yoga for me. Yeah, is that definitely. something that other people struggle with? Yes, I think yes, because there is so many types of yoga now out there. Uh, but I would always kind of, I always talk about three main ones. That's vinyasa, hatha and yin yoga. So if you're more like, you know, into movements, then you would always choose vinyasa, which I teach because you're moving with the breath all the time. If you're more like, okay, I'm holding this asana while I'm breathing, then hatha is for you. It's more, it's very traditional. Uh, and then yin yoga, it's, it's something that it's really you need to experience because you're holding a pose for five to seven minutes. Mm -hmm. And I think... Um, the most challenging is actually your mind because your mind Absolutely. is something. Like, get me out of this yes. pose. I cannot pigeon anymore. <laughs> exactly. But exactly. It's, it's, it is really powerful. I've cried during doing certain same, poses. And, same, know. especially hip openers are always, we store a lot of emotion in our hips. Mm -hmm. And if you do any yin pose that is going to stretch your hips, then... Um, releasing certain emotion is completely normal. Let's talk about the workout you've created for us. It's on the website live right now. What kind of level of fitness or familiarity with yoga do you need to have to train along with you, Ivana? Okay, for this particular uh, yoga session, I created like a vinyasa flow for beginners. And uh, it was just, everyone can do this one. I mean, it's very easy. I put one sun salutation, just one uh, cycle that you can repeat let's say three to five times um, with specific breathing that I already, like I, I mentioned in the video. Uh, and it's it's for everyone. And the more you do it, the better you become. In it. Guys, please do check it out. And then if you want to take yourself, you know, do a video, a photo of you, make sure you tag us. Um, I want to come back to what I mentioned earlier about you doing yoga with children of determination. Can you explain a little bit about how these kids can really benefit? Because it's not something I've, I've actually heard about in the same sentence before. Ah, okay. It's, it's basically they can benefit like everyone else. I mean, but uh, what is the most important is breathing. Breathing. So you teach through breathing exercise that you teach them to breathe because many kids and adults and like many of us, we don't have a correct breathing technique. Uh, and also you can bring them more into present moment, mm -hmm. especially uh, kids with um, autism, ADHD, so good PTSD. For that, that and, kind of yeah. emotional regulation? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Emotional and, regulation. And what might happen in a typical session? I just want to kind of demystify it for any parents listening today. You know, it's not about having the most athletic or, as you're saying, flexible kids. It might not be even kids who've got the most focus, but they can all still benefit. Uh, so basically, you, the kids are going through certain asanas that they can... Um, that they can do or adjusted asanas. So I help them to, to reach uh, the asana. Uh, and what the kids love the most is the one part we sing mantra, which is very simple. It's not, there is nothing to do with the religion or anything like that. But kids just love, love singing mantra and it really calms their nervous system and it kind of, it, it brings them into the exercise much easier, if you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, so basically they go through a little bit of 
again, stretch, singing mantra, breathing, and uh, many of them are able to do a sun salutation with me. I, I do have some videos of kids with Down syndrome doing sun salutation with me, so it's not impossible. So. And, and lastly, if we get a bit of a taste for yoga after your 30-minute your uh, free workout, where are you holding classes? I think you've even got a bit of a food aspect to one of oh, your yes, workouts. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I teach, uh, during week, I teach in JVC in the Crimson Chamber Yoga Studio, and I also do on weekends I do yoga morning breakfast in 21 grams in Jumeirah which I love. I love. If, if you haven't had breakfast at 21 grams <laughs> oh my gosh yes. they do the most amazing pastries they do this kind of egg in like a beef jus with bread yes. So Amazing. you work out and then you eat up. Yeah, because you need to balance it. Absolutely agree. <laughs> Please get yourself over to Dubai Eye website. You'll find Ivana's workout there and you can find her on Instagram as well. Yoga with Ivana. Thank you so much Thank you so for much. your time today and for providing such a brilliant workout as we team up for Dubai Fitness Challenge. Thank you, Helen. Thank you. Are you feeling a bit stuck in life at work? Do you feel like you could just turn back the clock and make different decisions at university about where you went to in the workplace? It is a nearly universal human experience to feel stuck at some point, whether it is in a career, relationship, or even in identifying the next goal. Most people will probably feel stuck at some point. We've got Robin Epichudi joining us, an executive coach, consumer behaviour specialist, and a personal brand strategist to C-level executives. She's also the founder of Guided Agency based here in Dubai. She's had decades of experience, an award-winning career, and she now uses that experience to help people leverage their aspirations into real life, career and business opportunities. Robin, thank you so much. I think a lot of people will be nodding along going, yeah, how did I end up here? I'm also too afraid to go back the way I came or go in a completely different direction. Why do most people get stuck? Um, so firstly, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, thank you for being here. Super nice to meet you. I follow you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I do. I follow you now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so most people, there's always a disgruntle in terms of where they are, where they want to be. Mm-hmm. So they always feel that, you know, that that moment of feeling stuck and not sure if if they're in the right place in the right time. Um, and most of that comes in terms of their alignment of who they really are. Am I really fulfilling what I want to be doing, mm-hmm. or am I forced into it for different, you know, um, different factors such as financial decisions? Did I get pressure from my parents to do it? Am I have I been doing it? I've I've become so good at it that I just have to keep fulfilling that role. That's interesting. So sometimes it's about identity as well. Of If I'm not this, then what am I? Correct. So, you know, and that's where the personal branding comes in because the initial stages of personal branding is creating that identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Helen, if I was to ask you and no, I go, you know, <laughs> <laughs> who are you? And if you were to describe yourself, how would you describe yourself? Oh, that's really hard because I think a lot of parents listening will describe themselves. I'm, you know, I'm a mum of two. I'm a broadcaster, and you kind of allow other people to define you as well. An awful lot of the time, so and so is my dad. My husband does this, but when I think about what I do, I mean, it's pretty obvious what I do, isn't it? I hope. Okay, so if you're a host, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm a communicator. I'm a connector. Okay, fantastic. So most people would present themselves as either a mother, or you know, a, a radio host, uh, or a, an executive, a C level. Okay, great. Now, if I took those identities away and I need to to give birth to you again, Mm -hmm. who are you? Oh, crikey. You asked the tough questions. And are you there to help people guide themselves back to who they are? Because I would imagine for a lot of people that unhappiness is that gap between their values and who they are and what they're actually doing and spending most of their time doing. Exactly. So it's creating a marriage, you could say, Mm. with your career and your personal life. I'm very, very lucky in the sense that I really do love what I do for a myriad reasons. But I've been there where I haven't loved what I do and I've cried before work and wanted my mum to write me a note, even though I was in my 30s, so I didn't have to go. And it impacts all aspects of your life. It impacts your relationships, your friendships. You know, it can lead to depression. It's... it's a significant issue that an awful lot of people are going through. And as you alluded to earlier, I think, especially post-pandemic and, you know, financial insecurity, job insecurity, a lot of people finding themselves staying in a job that they don't want to be in. And for me, the last thing I would ever want to do, and I've had this in previous jobs, is feel like I've wasted my time to look back and go, I should have gone a few years earlier. Is that something you have clients come to you All with? the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the scary part is majority sit in ideation phase. What does that mean? They're, they're just thinking about it. I wish I could, I want. 
uh, and they're not doing anything. Nothing's actionable. And what's the barrier then? What what is what is stopping people? I know there's going to be myriad reasons for all sorts of different circumstances, but when you can help someone, where do you start to ask the tough questions to get them out of that daydreaming and daydreaming stage? So, I mean, we probably have heard this before. You know, what are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. Is there a moment? Are you trying to find a perfect moment? What's that perfect moment look for you? And then they they describe it. I'm like, okay, is that realistic? Is that ever going to happen? And sometimes that can be, I mean, I've had in the past, when I weigh this amount, I'll do this. Or when I live here, I'll do that. Or when the kids are this age. In, you know, we can we put all these obstacles in our own way all the time. <laughs> um, we're taking your questions on this this afternoon. Um, 4001, if you want to get in touch, talking about feeling stuck in a job, in an industry, in a career. And I think I would imagine for some people, it's fear of failure why you don't leave but for some people could it be fear of success you know if I do well in this could this completely change my life both um and and if I was saying anything about fear fear is a liar it's an absolute liar mm-hmm. um so my philosophy and what I did because people were like oh how did you figure it out you know I, I felt the fear and I did it anyway you just you're just gonna have to um but you've got to get to a certain stage there and it's some, is, is it a confidence stage or is it a kind of I'm just going to jump. It's a bit of both. I think there's a, there's a lead up, you know, that the whole just take that leap and jump. You you you, you would have done it if you could, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Sometimes I need someone to hold your hand a bit. Correct. Um, so that's why, you know, figuring it out, um, one of the takeaways I would say, it cannot be done in isolation. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you would have done it. I want to come to the text line. D has been in touch on 4001 and you don't need to put your name on a message if you'd rather not. But Dee's saying, I've been in my job for almost 10 years very industry specific and despite countless interviews for other positions over the years I am still here I just don't know what to do I can't afford to retrain as I'm the breadwinner and I can't spend the rest of my life here also um, I don't have a lot of work to do so I'm just on social media and surfing the web and listening to Dubai Eye it sounds like so I'm, I'm not, not against that but Again, sometimes you're like, oh, it must be nice just to do nothing. That can be so demotivating if you're not being utilised to your full potential. Yeah, correct. You feel flat. I mean, you don't feel fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. You come home and you're like, well, what have I achieved today? Yeah, so absolutely (laughs) deflated. Um, So my advice for that is for you to, if you were to write your own job description, right, or work description or life description. I don't really like the word job because I know no one really sticks to job descriptions these days. You're kind of doing everything and being everything. But if there was an alignment, you wouldn't mind. So if you were to describe what that looked like and then work your way towards it um, with in parallel, you don't need to leave something. Everyone thinks they need to leave a certain job mm-hmm. or whatever it is to get to where they want to be. That's completely incorrect. You can do it in par- parallel. <laughs> Are you running on autopilot in your career? Everyone feels stuck at some point. Sometimes it's an unstimulating job. It could be an unfulfilling relationship, just a general sense of indifference. But you can stop feeling unstuck by figuring out why you're feeling that way in this first place. Joining us now is Robin Abendrid. She is an executive coach, consumer behaviour specialist, personal brand strategist as well, based here in Dubai. She's taking your questions on getting unstuck from your career. And a lot of, a lot of, I don't think, I think we're going to run out of time, Robin. So we're going to get through as many as we can in the next few minutes. Great. One here saying, I'm a master's degree in business, worked for a few years in consultancy and communications, um, then been a mum for the last six years. I'm running a tiny business, but I miss the drive. I look at LinkedIn and I feel like I've missed my chance. Job descriptions don't fit anything I have to offer. How do I get out of this? Now, listen, I don't know you, but I highly, highly doubt that you have nothing to offer based on these job descriptions, based on what you're talking about, running a business and, my goodness, being a mother. So I think there needs to be a bit of a, a, bit of a shift in mindset there as well. But what about finding jobs that fit your values, that going there, like getting that drive again, Robin? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that fulfilment, correct? So... Um, my advice here would be, and this is what I'm actually channeling to do, is when I'm personally branding the C-level C execs, I want to flip it so that you're not chasing a job description or, or a company that you, you're like, who can I work for in terms of leadership? Mm-hmm. That's in alignment with my vision and what I want to achieve in life. That's interesting because we know an awful lot of people don't leave jobs, they leave bosses. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. So, if, so that's interesting in terms of making the right connections then to find a job? Is that, am I interpreting that right? Yeah, correct. Um, you know, 
speak to people, and this is what I was, you know, um, I wanted to touch base on as well, that most of the consumption of information and, and, and knowledge is one way. We're losing conversations. Social media is, you know, basically pushing everything onto us and, and all the valuable insights in terms of what you really want to be doing is in a conversation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes from the leaders and the leaders need to learn to, to project that conversation out and say, this is my values and what I, I stand for and I'd like to inject that into my team and into the company, into everything around me so that you kind of feel part of a bigger drive. And So for this listener, um, where, where would you advise she starts in terms of finding that flow and that motivation again? So what I would do is stop applying <laughs> in terms of uh, job descriptions, stop looking at descriptions and feeling there isn't an alignment. Um, a lot of the things that you need to be doing within an actual job isn't actually described in the job description. <laughs> very true. <laughs> to be very honest. Um, think about, you know, what leaders out there you'd like to be around. Think about the people. Don't think about the organisation anymore. Like that. Like that a lot. Um, we're running out of time, but I want to ask you, for anyone that this is resonating with, who perhaps we didn't get to on the text line today, or anyone that has another opportunity to pick up their phone and get in touch, who is feeling stuck in a specific job, in an industry, in a career... Um, what is actually actionable tonight or in the next week or in the next month to make a start and start getting that ball rolling to get unstuck, Robin? Yeah, perfect. So the two things, two takeaways. Um, as we mentioned earlier, the identity, right? If I was to strip you, you know, a mother or whatever it is that you're doing at work, a director or whatnot, if I was to strip that away, how would you describe yourself? And what it is, and what is it that you want people to feel with whatever it is that you want to be doing? That's interesting. And then secondly is um, start having more conversations, mm-hmm. you know, stop consuming the content in a one way, go out and have conversations with people. You cannot find yourself in isolation. It will not work. For anyone that wants to connect with you, uh, whether it's regarding personal branding, um, executive coaching, what's the best way of getting in touch? Anyway, that's easier for you. So I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, you can go on my website, guidedagency.com and whatever method of communication works for you, I'm there. Thank you, Robin, so, so much. Um, If you do want Robin's details, drop me a line, 4001. I'd be very happy to connect you and send them that way. Robin, really appreciate your time. I'd love to talk more about personal branding. Would you come back on the show? Absolutely. Fantastic. This is Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With ProPlan, groundbreaking science, life-changing nutrition. And joining us from Nestle Perina is the Pet Care Vet Advisor. Lisa Tomine, she is uh, an, an animal osteopath, and I'm very curious about this as well as being a qualified vet nurse. Now, it's very timely, Lisa, that you're here today because there's been a video doing the rounds on social media that I, I needed to ask you about. It is, what breed of dog would you say that is? I think it was a bull, um, an English bulldog. Yeah. I ma- believe so. Yeah, or maybe like a Staffordshire cross or something. But having his neck cracked by an osteo and... I mean, his face is an absolute picture afterwards. He's looked like, like, what just happened to me? I don't know if I loved it or hated it. But I was curious, given your expertise as an animal osteo, is this something that is done in common practice? Is it some, what was your reaction to seeing it? So the definition of osteopathy per se is non-invasive, drug-free, um, therapeutic manual treatment. So when I saw that, video a couple of days ago I believe on TikTok or Instagram I was quite shocked um, the way the person is cracking this dog neck is very rough and I believe he shouldn't even face the dog while he is doing that because he's putting himself in danger. Big time big time because you've got no even like, no matter how well you know an animal you don't know what the, how they're going to respond to something that they've never tried before and that was my, my kind of thing was Am I supposed to wait to the end when the dog's going to be like, actually, mate, I didn't really want that to happen to me. And that didn't happen to my knowledge. It could have been an edited video. But if a dog is in need of osteopathic care, and I don't know if this guy was a vet, and he didn't look like a vet. I'm not, I don't know. It is, it is in a clinical setting, I presume, the best place to do this. So it's a bit controversial in terms of where to get your degree or master's. Some are veterinarians, some are um, certified from a school. Uh, I am personally, I have a master's degree from a European school of animal osteopathy from France, uh, and it is an accredited school. So 
we should get more um, knowledge about who is treating our dogs or cats mm-hmm. or horses too, mm-hmm. um, because this can be a bit dangerous to whoever you're going. Can we talk about, I guess, osteo issues in general um, and perhaps some of the breeds that might be most associated with them? Are there some very natural lines that you as an expert can draw being like, OK, that dog may well suffer from X, Y, Z in the future? So I've seen many dogs with um, issues that required uh, osteopathic treatment. Uh, on my list, I would say number one would be German Shepherd, obviously because of the hip issues. Mm-hmm. Number two, Golden Retrievers, Labradors. So everything that is large breeds and also senior dogs, I, I would see more cases uh, because of osteoarthritis, obviously. That's what happened to our beloved Lizzie. So she was 12 when she was diagnosed with osteoarthritis and we did have to say goodbye to her because she was just living in pain and there, there was only so much that we could do. You know, we got her weight down, we did hydrotherapy, she was in the pool doing her exercises, she was on all the supplements and when she just couldn't get herself off the sofa, I was like, no, 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 this, this is enough. But I think she'd had a hard life. We adopted her when she was eight and we don't know, but I suspect she was used for breeding. I don't know what her history was. When it comes to adopting a dog, um, how how much history, I mean, you can only get so much, but how much history does impact their their kind of bone health that we might not be aware of, Lisa? Especially in the UAE, it's, it's kind of difficult to know uh, where are the parents of this dog from. Mm. Uh, usually I um, ask the future pet owners to get x-rays of the pet parents uh, before acquiring it because it's very important for anything related to hips and prevent any disease and heavy veterinary expense. So there are obviously lifestyle factors I mentioned there, you know, some weight loss, some, you know, exercise, even, you know, massage. And what about diet supplementation that can be really helpful as well when looking at bone issues? So when we are putting a dog on a on a joint supplementation kind of diet, we are looking for multiple things. First one would be a higher level of protein to keep this muscle mass uh, because we don't want a dog suffering from osteoarthritis to lose muscle. Otherwise, it will be affecting his whole his gait in general. Mm-hmm. Um, second, we would look for antioxidant, something that will reduce the inflammation. There is also supplementation. Uh, I would recommend using the muscle. I've seen a great result with that. And you can also go to your veterinarian and ask um, for any kind of pain relief medication, um, etc. I could listen to your voice all day. The way you just said supplementation, I was like, oh, this is, I'm, so, I'm so relaxed right now. This is Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With ProPlan. We are going to go to the text line next and joining us live in the studio from Nestle Peruna, a pet care uh, vet advisor, also an animal osteopath, a qualified vet nurse. Lisa Timone is with us to answer my questions, but honestly, most importantly, yours. So to the text line we go, Lisa. Um, A message here from Andrew saying, hi, both. I need a long lasting snack for our lab mix, Huge Hugo. Love it when you include the names. When younger, snacks like venison tenders would take him ages to finish, but now I'm finding it hard to track down a snack he doesn't inhale in minutes. Any suggestions? And I can imagine if he's not entertained, he might turn on you and go for a chair leg instead. What would you say to Andrew and indeed Hugo? So with the issue with with labs, especially labs, they are swallowing everything. So we need to find some somehow something to interest them and keep them interactive, not to get them bored as well. So I would recommend either one of those pads you can stick either on the wall or on the floor and you can spread some wet food on it or either um, those conk where we can um, oh, stuff, yeah. stuff them. They're great. Well, some some are, some you can freeze. You know, put it. You know, put something inside and freeze. The one that we've got is more like a puzzle. So you kind of put the treat or a kibble inside, and they're there just pouring at it, like desperate to get this out. But licky mats and snuffle mats um, are really really effective. We have a. Um, <laughs> This is the most Dubai thing you're going to hear me say. Our dog hates our gardener with an absolute passion. And when I work from home, I realise just how much she hates him. And we've tried it all. The thing that is most effective, though, to stop her barking incessantly is a snuffle mat. And we just put little treats underneath the flaps of fabric. And she just, you know, has a has a 10 minute break of shouting. Um, so in terms of food, anything anything frozen work, Lisa? What do you think? Um, we also can 
froze wet food as an ice cube and they can lick it, lick it, lick it. And then you can mix it with water, half-half, mm-hmm. and they can get a bit busy in case, you know, you have your gunner on. And you please report back. I want to know the review from Huge Hugo. I'd also like to see a photo. Um, to send your questions, your messages in, you can use the WhatsApp. Gordy got some lovely photos and videos of your animals there. You can tag us on social media. Um, you've got the ARN Play app and the WhatsApp too, of course, and the ARN um, app. So please, please, please um, tag us in your pictures. And if you do want advice, 4001, you can also use as well. Um, no name on this one. Um, I do need your name to put you into the draw for that brilliant uh, goodie hamper. Saying hi both. My cat Molly has a bit of gum inflammation um, and the vet suggests getting a toothbrush for her she's very skittish and I wonder if I'd be able to clean her teeth okay put your vet nurse hat on Lisa what do we need to know about cleaning a cat's teeth cats definitely hate having their <laughs> toothbrush that's for sure uh, I would recommend to get one of those toothbrush that you can fix on your finger mm-hmm. not the actual tooth toothbrush and gently lift their uh, lip and go slowly, slowly rubbing their teeth. Um, but be careful because they would probably run away from you or even scratch you sometimes. Uh, so I would go easy on them. I might regret this question. Can you get cat toothpaste? We can. We Definitely we can find it in vet clinics. What so. flavours are available? Oh, it's definitely like kind of poultry, chickeny oh. flavour. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe need to find the flavour that Molly likes. Um, yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe don't expect amazing results the first time. Correct. A bit of exposure therapy. Be patient. Be patient. You're listening to Pets and Vets on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. With ProPlan, where the number one ingredient is always high quality salmon, lamb, turkey and chicken. Your chance to get some advice live on the show. So if you're not sure if you're cat or dog or hedgehog, tortoise, whatever you have, warrants a trip to the vet and you want to find out from an expert, this is your opportunity. Equally, if you just wish from the share some photos and have some lovely ones um, from Coco from Joffa, thank you. Lisa Timonet is with us today. She is the pet care vet advisor at Nestle Purina. She's also an animal osteopath. So if, you're, if there's any arthritis going on in your furry friend, by all means do get in touch. She's also a qualified vet nurse. To the text line, Lisa, let's see what... Uh, what people are worried about. Gloria's been in touch and we've got a lovely three-year-old Burmese who is full of character and so affectionate, but dare I say it, quite annoying. (laughs) Mainly because of the constant loud shouting, which I know is part of the breed, and also his tendency towards chewing things he shouldn't, like wires. The other day we had a roast chicken and I put the carcass out for the cats. Eating the bones kept him quiet for ages and also seemed to fulfil his need to chew. And I'm wondering, is there such a thing as bones for cats? Well, I would strongly not encourage that. Um, It is very, very, very dangerous uh, in terms of bones, first of all, can be stuck in the throat of the pet. It can perforate stomach or even intestines if it can go down that way. Um, So it can be very dangerous to the cats. So please do not do that. So in terms of bones as we're talking about there you know a roast chicken absolute no-no what about things that might be designed for that we were talking about kongs for dogs earlier would there be a cat equivalent there's definitely a cat equivalent of toys or interactive toys that you can fill up with kibbles they can make it roll on the floor and get um you know less bored sometimes yeah mental stimulation correct okay so gloria go to the shop not the supermarket for uh, for some mental and, and chewing stimulation for uh, your three year old Burmese. Um, we are talking about cats and dogs this afternoon, um, and whether you are thinking about getting an animal, it's a great opportunity to pick the brains of the of our vets and our experts. And a great question here from Anil saying, "I'm looking for some recommendations for small ish." dog breeds, which are known to be generally calm and biddable. I've only really known terriers as small dogs, but they don't tend to be that way. My dad passed away three years ago and my mum would do really well with a little friend. She's only 67, in great health herself, but doesn't have a huge home, lives in the UK. Any suggestions? What comes to mind when you think about smallish dog breeds that would do well? So for a senior person, I would suggest a dog that is, first of all, low maintenance, not barking, maybe already educated, not potty trained, you have to do it yourself. So I would 
probably go for a small bread like Yorkies or Maltese or uh, Havanese, Shih Tzu's. Um, but also it can be a, a nice way to connect with uh, local shelters mm-hmm. um, to get, you know, an adult or a senior I dog. I was just about to say that because at least you know what you're getting when you adopt a senior dog. And we say senior, I'm not talking about, you know, we don't want to go through another heartbreak and they'll, you know, so, um, you know, I'm not talking about getting a 10-year-old, but maybe a five-year-old dog who, as you say, you're going to know their personality. They're going to be potty trained and they'll probably be very, very grateful for a loving home as well. Something we, we get asked a lot about um, breeds that are particularly family friendly as well. And there doesn't seem to be a particular con- consensus on this because some breeds are just going to su- suit some families. Some dogs within that breed are going to have a completely different personality as well. Correct. I thought about a corgi. Just, I just got. I thought I got a queen association there. Corgis are a breed very, very friendly and very low maintenance, but they ha- they tend to have this uh, fragile spine. Okay. So especially with um, older people, they tend to like jump up on and off the couch. So oh, okay. I would definitely monitor that. Good intel. Thank you, Lisa. I hope that helps and you'll keep us posted what happens with your lovely mum. Rami's been in touch saying, hi guys, our lovely younger boy cat, Ollie, developed a a cough on Friday, which carried into Sunday. Sneezed once on Sunday. Last night he had quite a lot of sneezing. Today he's snuffly. Not constantly, but like he's trying to blow his nose. He's eating well, going out, running around with his brother, not pouring at his face. Eyes are clear. He was in boarding the previous week, but his brother, who he shared a pen with, is fine any thoughts should we go to the vets definitely you should um, get the advice from your vet because especially if he was around other cats in a boarding facilities cat flu is a very contagious disease with incubation period it can match um, the appearance of the clinical signs so definitely a checkup would be recommended in this case. Okay, all the best to you and uh, and Ollie. We've just been talking about chewing cats there and a message here saying, my Bengal, Sherlock, thank you for sharing the name, uh, Sherlock eats rubber items and my plants. I was told he's either depressed or lacking some nutrients. The vet says he's healthy. What can I do about it? My other cat doesn't do this. So Bengal are very high maintenance. They need a lot of enrichment in their home. They need to play a lot because they tend to get bored, especially in flats. Um, And they need to have this kind of hunt and get this food or treats uh, after hunting. So I would suggest you to, um, first of all, get rid of your plants because some plants can be uh, also toxic. So Make sure that your plants are not toxic and um, maybe get another cat. <gasps> really? <laughs> that could go one of, I mean, one of two ways there. It's a risky of move. Course. <laughs> of course. Lisa, what do you have in terms of pets at your home? I own a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Do you? Back in France. Oh, called? Hook. Hook? Hook. Like Peter Pan. Correct. Because <laughs> his tail is broken, so it oh, looks like a hook. How old is he? The ten-year-old boy. You must miss him a lot. I do. Unfortunately, I cannot bring him to the UAE because mm-hmm. it's a it's a banned breed. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know he's, he's he's better there. Oh, we're not tempted to have a little little pen pal for him here. No, I'm not. My heart is with him. Oh. <laughs> what attracted you to working in this field? Why why did you want to work with animals and make this your life? I always uh, wanted to work with animals. They make me so comfortable. That's my comfort zone. Um, when you were asking me at five years old or six years old, I would be like, I want to be a vet. Mm-hmm. And here I am working in the vet industry since now 10 years. So it's like a, a dream, helping pets. Any surprises along the way, good or bad, about what you were expecting the vet life to be like? Definitely. Working in the vet industry, uh, needs to you need to have a high uh, temper, <laughs> patience mm-hmm. and... Stronger willingness and uh, resilience, especially during COVID times. It was tough. Clients were tougher. Mm-hmm. And we can see a, what we call the puppy and the kitten ma- mania. So everyone got uh, puppies and kittens. Oh, yeah. I think more so in, in Europe than here because of, you know, availability. Uh, but prices were going crazy. Um, I mentioned this on the show recently. My best friend decided to help her six-year-old get over her fear of dogs to get a um, 
a Ridgeback, oh, wow. <laughs> which is a, like a horse. She sends me voice notes. She's like, zap, step back from the bus. Like, zap knows no fear. And it has massively, massively helped her daughter with her dog fear. It really has. But she sent me a voice note the other day saying, Helen, I've got three kids, a big job and a big dog. And I think she'd underestimated. It's a fourth kid. No she- doubt. If you're getting a dog, it's definitely a fourth kid. Yeah, and she, I saw her in the summer and she did get quite upset saying, you know, I, I would never rehome this dog. You know, I wouldn't, you know, set that example to my kids because there isn't a need. You know, it's not like we cannot keep them. But she said that she'd underestimated the stress and the time and the money. My goodness, the amount this dog eats. And I think an awful lot of people have found themselves in a similar position, which does just, you know, drive home how much you need to consider some really important things before you welcome a pet to your home. Especially as an expatriate, because in case you're going back home, you need to think about of course, bringing your dog back. Exactly. This is a cost you need to be working on all the way through that animal's Correct. life because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, one of our biggest outgoings is our dog's dental bills. <laughs> how, is, how am I spending my money on this? But, you know, we, we do it. We, we do it because we love them, of course. But especially when it comes to kids getting attached, it's so, so important to be asking those questions and doing those numbers because you don't want to find yourself in a position of regret or that animal being punished for you not thinking about it enough. I think we've got time for one last question. Um, let's, uh, oh, we haven't had a toileting question. So here's Graham saying, our mixed breed puppy was great with toilet training, but has seemed to regress. Is pooping in the house sometimes, even though she has access to the garden and asking to go out. She's walked a lot, often pooped from her out too. Any ideas or, tri- or tips to help her stop to ask for outside again? We seems to be fine for some reason. Famous last words. Ah, oh, Graham. So it sounds like a quite a sudden change, a regression in Graham's words, does it? So I would recommend you to bring her out more often without her asking for you too, first of all, and also display maybe uh, puppy mats on the floor uh, to help her um, knowing that it's not correct to do that. Um, and I think you should retrain her from the beginning mm-hmm. back to the basics. There are some really amazing behaviourists and we are looking to get a few more for the show as well because I think an awful lot of people, whether they're going back to work after working at home for a long time or relocations, babies joining the home, there are lots of issues that, and it sounds like a little thing, I'm laughing there about my dog barking at my gardener, but it it really, really stresses me out and I think it can impact a whole family life and a whole home dynamic if that's that's not going the way you had hoped. So uh, we will have a behaviour special very, very soon. Um, But Graham, in the meantime, back to basics. And if you are looking for a trainer, by all means, drop me a little line. We've got some great ones that we've worked with in the past. Lisa, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Really. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you for downloading this episode of the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe. You'll get it direct to your phone as soon as it's out. And you can listen to me live on Dubai Eye 103.8, Monday to Friday between 2 and 5 p.m. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.